Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. So last week I was surprised that there were more married people who came up to me and have a comment about last week's message than there were single people. (laughs) And uh, so for those of you who are married and you want to separate a seat so that you don't have to get an elbow in your ribs, (laughs) you guys can go ahead and do that. There's a little bit of space there. Uh, We started this series last week, and we did this series, and the reason that, that, that we put this together was really for one reason, and that is that I want all of you to have great relationships. And if you're single, I want you to get excited about the idea of one day getting married. And I know that's hard because the stories that we hear about marriage are always the bad marriage stories. And you know why that is? Because good marriage stories are boring. Nobody is going to make a movie out of my marriage, (laughs) thankfully. But listen, conflict, heartache, and pain, those are really great things to have in a movie, but they are not great things to have in your marriage. And for some of you, the only marriages that you've seen in your life are bad marriages. And so for some of you, you've given up on marriage. And what I want to tell you and what I'm hoping through this series that you're going to come away with is this idea that marriage and relationships can be absolutely incredible. Boring but incredible. But for it to be incredible, there are some things that you need to know and some things that when you are years past and looking back, it seems so obvious, but sitting here today, you may not get it. And it's something so obvious, but most dating people and even most married people, they still don't know. And so last week, we started by asking two questions. The first question we asked was that we want, needed to ask ourselves, for those of you who are single, okay? Because for those of you who are married, you better not be asking this question. <laughs> but for those of you who are single, the question that we said last week that we need to be asking is, am I the person that the person I am looking for is looking for? Am I the person? Am I the person? that the person I am looking for is looking for. And and we took that a step further and we said, okay, then am I becoming the person that the person I am looking for is looking for? And last week we also talked about something that I called the soulmate myth. And the soulmate myth was simple. It was this idea that if we could just find the right person, if we could just find our soulmate, then everything would be all right. And what we looked at last week was this problem that when you're, when, you're, when you're thinking is that if I could just find the right person, when you find that right person, the only thing that you have is chemistry. And when the problems come and all you have is chemistry, the first thing that happens when you have problems is that chemistry goes. And so here's what happened to many couples that you know. Their past, all of the things that had accumulated from their past, creeped into their present and ended up destroying their future. 
Because single people, what you are doing now in your present will one day be your past and it will definitely show up in your future. Think about this. Have you ever helped someone or maybe you've done it yourself or probably not too many of you have been hired to do it, but have you ever um, planned a wedding? And do you know what it takes to plan out a whole wedding? Think of all of the things that you have to do and all of the time that you have to spend and all of the decisions that you have to make to plan for one single day. When will it be? Summer? Christmas? Valentine's Day? Where will it be? In a church? In a garden? On the beach? Who is going to get to come? Is it a 50-person wedding? Is it a 550-person wedding? All of these decisions. You have to talk to the caterer. You have to talk to a band. You have to figure out the colors. You have to figure out the flowers. You have to figure out where you're going to go after the wedding on the honeymoon. All of these decisions you have to make. And you can spend as long as a year planning for the wedding. But many people don't realize is that for the seven or more years before that, you've spent that time developing bad habits that will eventually undermine the marriage that comes after the wedding. One year of wedding planning versus seven or more years developing habits, establishing patterns, and for many people, accumulating baggage relational baggage, addiction baggage, character baggage, debt baggage, and all of these things can quickly unravel the marriage that you spent a whole year planning for. And so we're talking about this stuff today because I don't want this to happen to you. That's why last week when we came together, we talked about a list. There was a list of things to help you become the right person while you search for the right person. And so last week, we ended with this very interesting verse. It's, it's found in the book of 1 Corinthians, which was actually a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. In 1 Corinthians 13, this verse came in verse 11, and it says this, and we're going to put it on the screen so you can follow along. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now, that phrase, childish things, last week we talked about that. It doesn't mean like, you know, you're sticking your tongue out and doing childish things. What that phrase is actually translated to is the ways of childhood. The ways of childhood. So today I want to specifically talk to the single Christian men in the room about the ways of childhood. So women, you can relax. <laughs> Go ahead and get some coffee. Get some of the sponge cakes. Right? Go ahead and check your Facebook. Do, you can check out. You have my permission not to pay attention today. But if you do, you might find it interesting. Because I want to specifically talk to you men. And I want to inspire you today. But I also want to kick your butts a little bit. Because for some of you, you need to recognize that it is time for you to man up. It's time to be a man. It's time for you to step up and do the things that you know are right so that you can be the man that you want to be. 
And here's the thing you probably already know. Despite what media and culture will tell us, despite what you may read in magazines, despite what you may see on Facebook, men, you still set the pace of relationships. Even in our culture today, men, you are still in charge when it comes to relationships. And because of that, you have more responsibility. Now, together, we're going to look at what Scripture says about how we're supposed to view and, and what our attitude towards and our treatment of women should be. Not just the women you date, not just the women you're related to, not just the woman that you're in love with, but what our attitude is supposed to be to all women. So here's the thing, though. When you hear it, you're going to see that it's so different from what we are taught to view women today. And it might even sound like the strangest advice, especially given the culture that we live in. And for us especially, if you're here with us today, if you're listening to us online and you live in the San Francisco Bay Area, especially in this culture, it's going to sound strange. And you might even think that, man, that's old-fashioned, that's outdated. But the thing is, is it's not. See, today, if we look at how women are viewed, how, how they're presented, how they're talked about, how they're sung about, the same, it's, it's the same way that we talk about, that, that we view our stuff. Think about that for a second. Today, culture tells us, men, we view women the same way we view our stuff. See, our stuff has a certain value. And when we get stuff, we expect to use it any way that we want. And when we get tired of it, when it's no longer interesting, when it starts to get a little bit worn around the edges, we put it aside or we throw it away or we trade it in for some other piece of stuff. That's what we do with our stuff. We use it until it's done and then we throw it out or trade it in for something newer, something better, something fancier. Men, this is the message that culture teaches us every single day. It even comes from women. And this message is very simple. You can boil it down to these phrases. That when it comes to our view of women today, what culture teaches us is this. Is that women say, take me, use me, do whatever you want with me, then get rid of me and move on to the next one. Every movie that you see, every song that you hear, every TV show that you watch, every internet site that you visit, you get the same message. Take me, use me, do whatever you want with me, then get rid of me and move on to the next one. We see it all the time. And throughout history, there have been pockets of this in every culture, but it was always hidden. Not anymore. Today, it's everywhere. And I'm not talking about our private internet viewing where we see it. I mean, I'm talking about you can't go to the mall without seeing it. I remember when I was uh, in college and, and, you know, that lingerie store that's in every mall in America. And you would go buy it, and in the big picture window, they had only little tiny frames that were like 8.5 by 11 with pictures on it. You go by there today, and the pictures are huge. 
right? The, the person's head is huge. Everything else in their body is just huge, and it's right there, right in front of you. And this is what we see. And daily doses of that message can't help but impact how you and I think about and ultimately how we treat women unless we take the time to make up our minds to do something differently. And that's why men today, I want to change the way that you think about women. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk today about something that, that Scripture teaches us, and we're going to take a look to, at today principles that have the potential to set you up, young men, old men, <laughs> single men, to set you up for extraordinary success when it comes to relationships. Because listen, Christian men, we have been called to a higher standard. And in this culture, Christian men aren't living up to it. And it's time for all of us to man up. Now, some of the things that I'm going to say are going to fly in the face of what culture teaches us today. And your initial reaction is going to be this. That's cute. And yeah, that's okay for the movies. But that's not how I'm going to live my life. And I know I can change in the future. It's a normal reaction. I'm hoping that as we go through this that you're going to take that reaction and you're going to put it to the side, you know that it's there, and just listen for a moment to what Scripture and what God is telling you through His words. Because in many ways, some of the things that we're going to talk about today are old-fashioned. They are outdated. But Christian men, listen, when these principles were first introduced into the culture, the standard was much worse than it is today. The view and treatment of women was much worse than it is today. And when these things were first spoken, what they were saying was absolutely absurd. Now think about this. The, the scriptures that we're going to look at today were written in the first century. And in the first century, women were literally treated like our stuff. Women were property in the first century. They had no rights. Marriage in the Greek and Roman world at the time that these words were first spoken was headed to an all-time low. Men who were in the upper class, the wealthy men, they were refusing to marry because they could have sex with their slaves. Prostitution was not only legal, but it was encouraged as an alternative to birth control. On more than one occasion, the Roman Senate introduced um, bills that would require men to get married. You know why? Because no men were getting married, and the country was not reproducing, and their population was dwindling away. And even though Roman law only allowed one marriage, Roman culture encouraged multiple mistresses. And in spite of all of this, as it is often in our culture today, virginity was still demanded of brides and chastity demanded of women. In fact, marriage and children had been such a burden to that culture that drowning baby girls in the river was considered reasonable and commonplace. 
And the reason that they did it primarily was so that their other children wouldn't have to share the family's estate. In that culture, where these words were first spoken, women had no status. In that culture, women had no voice. Even in the wealthy households, the women there were just a step up above slaves and not a very big step. And it is into this culture that in some ways reflects our culture today. Jesus and Peter and Paul gave Christian men these instructions. Instructions. That's not a word. <clears throat> gave Christian men these instructions. And what you hear, when you hear what they had to say, you're going to think, oh, that's stuff I've heard before. I've read that before. Yeah, maybe that might be a good idea, but maybe not for me. But to the people at that time who first heard it, it was a total departure from the culture. It was completely opposite what they were doing and what they thought was the right way. And yet, when they introduced these principles, the people who heard it embraced it. And that is why these first century Christian communities were so attractive to women. Nowhere else in that culture was the status of women elevated as it was among the Christians. And so this new morality fueled the growth of the church. Ladies, it was the ladies that fueled the growth of the church because inside the culture of Christianity, they were, they were treated differently. And it's time for us, and men, listen, it is past time for us to get back to these fundamental truths about how God views women. So it began with Jesus. He's the one who got all this started. One day he gathered together his, a, a large group of people, both men and women, and he said, okay, listen, pay attention, pay attention, because I've got something new to give you. And it's recorded in, 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 the, in John's book, which he named after himself John, in chapter 13, and we're going to start in verse 34, and this is Jesus talking. And Jesus says this, he said, so now I am giving you a new commandment. They've heard of commandments, right? There was the big Ten Commandments. There was another 600 or so after that. And then through the years, there have been commandment after commandment that have come. And he's saying, listen, I'm giving you a new one now. I'm giving you a new one. And he says, love each other. Okay. But he goes on. He says, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Now, that word should is an imperative. It it could have been written, you have to, because it's not a suggestion. He's not, it's not like he's saying, you know, you've got a, 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 a spot on your hand and someone says, you know what, you should go to the doctor. Yeah, maybe I will, maybe I won't. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, you have to love each other. And see, I see Jesus there and he's, you know, because to me, Jesus used his hands a lot when he was talking, right? And he says, listen, you have to love each other. And he's to the whole room. And the guys are looking around, and they see that there's women in the room. And it's like, even the women? Jesus is saying, yes, even the women. And you see, in that culture, there were slaves and free men that were all together in this community. 
There was rich people and poor people that were all together in this community, and they had no problem with that. They had no problem with a rich man looking at a poor man and saying, yes, I can love you. You know where they struggled with it? They struggled with it with women. Because women were so far from what people perceived as being equal to men. And he said, listen, you have to love each other. Now, men, I want you to get this. Every single woman that you know or that you meet, every woman at work, every woman at school, your sister, your mother, your mother-in-law, the woman who cut you off while you were driving here today, Jesus, who loved you, just, he said, just as I have loved you, Jesus, who loved you, who willingly died for you, he is telling you to love them in the same way that he loved you. He didn't say if they were deserving of it. He said, love them like I loved you. Then Paul would weigh in. Paul, in his letter to the church in Ephesus, he writes this. It's in Ephesians 5. And he writes, For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Now, sitting here in 2018, does this really make sense as something that has to be written down? I mean, can't we just turn on Netflix and find some Hallmark movie and, and in every movie, the, woman, the man loves the woman enough to give his life for her? There's a reason that Paul has to tell the people to love their wives. It's because in that, in that culture at that time, it was unnecessary. Right? You don't tell somebody to do something that you obviously already do. No one, there's nowhere in Scripture where it says, make sure you drink water every day. The reason he's telling us this is because in that culture, it wasn't being done. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. See, in this culture, women were disposable. And there are some people who would say that in our culture today, it's not very different. Paul was telling them that women were valuable enough to give your life up for. And this was unheard of. He said, they are more important than you are. And then Peter, Peter who spent so much time with Jesus, who saw Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman. No one did that. And, and they didn't talk to a Samaritan woman because she was a Samaritan, although people looked down on the Samaritans. But he was shocked that Jesus was talking to a woman who in that culture had no value. And this is Peter who saw Jesus kneeling down next to a woman who was caught in the act of adultery and putting his arm around her and telling her that she was forgiven. And the crowd hated that. This was Peter who was raised in a culture that bought women, that sold women, that traded women, and viewed women the same way they viewed their stuff. And Peter would write these words to these men in these new churches 
And this is what he would tell them. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Now, there's a very specific choice of words there. That phrase, give honor, is is not talking about give as in you're handing somebody something. It's give as in you are granting someone, you are assigning someone, you are attributing someone to somebody. In other words, in a culture where women had no honor, because women had no value, Peter was saying, give, grant, treat your wife with honor. Honor in this culture and in, this refer- in, this, in how it's referenced here is something that you give someone to has, who has a, a high position in culture. Something, uh, uh, someone that you would, you would see that holds a public office. Someone important. But to give it to a woman? That was unheard of in Roman society. And he says, not just treat them with honor, but you look at them and ascribe to them and you give them honor. Even if they're not honorable, yes, you give them honor. He goes on and he says this, Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are. Now, a lot of women get offended by this. <coughs> He's not saying that your women are inferior. But the, the biological reality is, is that men's physical str- makeup is stronger than women. And so he's saying here, listen, in this context where you live, Women are physically weaker than you are. But not only that, in the society that they lived in, women were politically weaker, they were socioeconomically weaker, they even had a weaker status when it, come, when it came to the courts and to the law. And he's saying, listen, she may be weaker than you are, Because he is about to turn upside down a system, a system that says that might makes right. A system that says, he who has the gold rules. And what Peter is saying, listen, you've been told that the strong rule over the weak. In God's system, the strong leverage their strength for the weak. Just as Jesus leveraged his strength for you and for me, we are supposed to do the same for the women in our lives. We're supposed to leverage our strength for them. And then he tells us why. She may be weaker than you, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, listen, men, your wife... The, the women in your life, they received the same gift of new life that God offers you. You are not superior to them. You are an equal partner. The word's pretty clear. She is your equal partner. When Jesus died, he died for the women just as he did for the men. And so when you look at a woman you are looking at a person that was not only made in the image of God, 
but you are looking at a person that Jesus Christ gave his life for. And then he says this, treat her as you should. And this part, really need to pay attention to. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Men, some of you are wondering why it seems like your prayers aren't being answered. And I wonder if we've ever thought that how we treat women affects how God views our prayers. This is no joke here. This is how important God views how we treat women. And the problem that we have, men, and this is the problem that we have because of what culture teaches us, is that some of us think that we can date women like, like women are stuff, something that we use and, and, and until, until we're, we're amused and then, and then we move on and, and just keep having that pattern of how we treat women and then one day we put on a tuxedo and stand in front of a minister and magically everything inside us changes and we instantly become this selfless, you first, I will be faithful till death do us part guy. And if you think that's what happens, you're crazy. Because you're the same person before you put the tux on as you are after you put the tux on. It's not going to happen. And even if you do find that special someone, you know the one that, 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 that is not like anyone you've ever met before? That person that you, you see their face and you just know that this is the person that you're supposed to be with. See, the problem is, is that she may be different than every other woman that you've ever met, but you are still the same you. The Apostle Paul, he tells us this in Romans 12 too, because if we're going to change who we are, if we're going to change something, he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, some of you may have heard this verse as, uh, in the past, and they use the phrase, instead of changing the way you think, they, they use the phrase, renewing your mind. So, gentlemen, listen to me. If you want to avoid the problems that have plagued so many marriages in the past and continue to plague so many marriages today, if you want to set yourself up to have great relationships and a great marriage and a great family and great kids and a great future, there are two things that you have to do. You have to renew your mind to think differently, and then you have to make up your mind to behave differently. You have to renew your mind to think differently. But it's not enough to just think differently. You have to make up your mind to behave differently. So for the last few minutes, I want to talk to you about renewing your mind and then changing the way that you view and treat women. Okay, here we go. I need a lot of water for this. We're going to start with music. You know, we have a filter. Like if I told you that I was thin, you would look at me and you'd go, no, because there's a filter, right? Phrases and words come into our brain. Our brain filters it, and we can kind of figure out what's right and what's wrong. The reason that music is so powerful what, no matter what kind of music it is, the reason that music is so powerful is because music bypasses our filter. 
That's why we can just hear the first few notes of a song and it brings up an emotional response in us. Music bypasses our filter. So men, if you have any song on your playlist that refers to women as bitches and whores, it's time for you to get rid of it. Before this date is over, you need to delete that song from your playlist forever. Listen, I need you to get how serious this is. Every single country where there has been slavery or genocide has always begun with the people who are in charge putting a label on the group of people to dehumanize them. In Rwanda, the Tutsis were, 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 were labeled as cockroaches, that they weren't even human, that they were pests. And when they did that, it made them expendable. And they killed over 800,000 of them. In Nazi Germany, Jewish women were portrayed as rats and whores. And so it made it easier for them to kill almost an entire generation. Here in our country, we saw it before the civil rights movement, what happened with slavery. You see, dehumanization opens the door to cruelty. And think about how many of those songs that call women bitches and whores also talk about doing things to them that are both physically and emotionally abusive. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, you know, listen, I hear the words. I know the, the, they're, they're just words. You know, it's, it's a fun song, and I even sing along with it, but I don't really mean it. I mean, it's just, that's the style today. That's the culture that we live in. And you are right. That is the culture we live in. But listen, not all cultures are equal. And the culture that calls women bitches and whores is inferior to the culture that says that every single person, every single woman is made in the image of God and is someone that Jesus died for. And so Christian men, we should be the ones leading the way. We should be the ones that are standing against that kind of language. So before today is over, get rid of it. I will confess to you that I had to get rid of it for me too. Some of it is fun. For some of you, you're going to delete those songs and you're going to have two songs left on your playlist. Delete it anyway. Now, the second area of renewing your mind, when we get past music, is that for many... It's time to end your relationship with erotic imagery. It's time to end your relationship with porn. Listen to me. And this is for men, married men, as much as it is for single men. Pornography is a teacher. And every time you entertain yourself with pictures and movies of naked women, you are in class. And what you are paying close attention to is what porn is teaching you. Because porn teaches you three lessons. Lesson number one, real bodies aren't good enough. That's what porn teaches you. 
Because listen, those pictures and those videos, they've got, I mean, you've seen this because it's like there's going to be a generation ahead of us that's going to look back at all of the pictures that were taken in this generation and they're going to wonder why all the girls have little tiny noses and, and, and ears up here because of all of the filters that are on, on, on everything now. Right? And if you, just keep, if you keep watching that stuff, what it's going to teach your mind is that a real body isn't good enough. The second lesson it's going to teach you is that one body isn't good enough. And in the long run, the third lesson that it's going to teach you is that your wife's body will never be good enough. And there are married men who are listening to this or maybe listening online and they're thinking, well, that explains a lot. And there are women, married women, who are listening to this and they're thinking, well, that explains a lot. There are married men right now that are struggling with this because for years and years, or maybe even just for a year or two, they have been sitting in class and they've been paying attention and they've been learning these three lessons from porn. And single men, listen, if you want to look forward to having a great romantic relationship one day with a woman who is going to fulfill the things in you that you're trying desperately to fulfill now, the single most important thing that you can do is to drop out of that class today. Because that class only sets you up for disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. And culture will put this little voice in your head and it will say, come on, it's not hurting anybody. But you know, in World War II, you know that the, the government actually gave soldiers cigarettes? They would, they would bring them in for free and hand them out to the soldiers. And they could smoke as, as much as they could because they thought, hey, it can't hurt. it's not hurting anybody and it's, it's helping them out. And years later, they find out that cigarettes are not good for you. And so now they're banned. If you're in the military, you can't smoke in a military facility. And for years, Christian leaders and churches have been telling people the same thing about porn. It's not a pastime. It is a pathway that leads you to a place where you don't want to go. For years. And today, researchers are now telling us that something actually changes in your brain. Scientists is now showing that learning these three lessons cause real relational problems with men. So men, listen to me. It is time to man up and get rid of that stuff. Get it out of your life. It seems harmless, but it's not. Do you know how many men thought that while they were single, up until the time that they got to the, to the church for, the, for their marriage, that they thought that they would just be able to pig out on porn as much as they wanted and then somehow they would, they would just be able to flip a switch and turn it off and get married and they would be a completely different person? Lots of people thought that, that they could do that. Do you know how many people it's actually worked for? Not many. So at least... If you're going to keep doing it, when you finally find that person, that person who makes your heart flutter, that person who you, who you can't stop thinking about, that person that you want to spend your life with, 
when you finally see that woman that you fall in love with and that you want to make her your wife, if you're going to keep doing it, then at least be honest with her. And one night, take her out to dinner and look her in the eyes, reach across and grab her hand, and then tell her, a real body will never be enough for me. Look her in the eyes and tell her that one body will never be enough for me. And then gently squeeze her hand as you tell her that when we get married, your body will never be enough for me. And we can't do that. But that would be the honest thing to do. So instead of doing something that is going to set yourself up for failure, make the decision that you are going to do something right now that is going to give you the best possibility of having a great relationship. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.